Good evening. Good evening, planet Earth. It's almost midnight in Scompton, Utah. It's almost midnight on planet Boblimptok. It is May the 20th, 2023. And all of your friends are here to welcome you Alien Al, Bob the Bigfoot, Frisky Tom, Sinister Sam. They're here, buddy. They're here to welcome you. Welcome you, buddy, to Act Three. And I'm just here drinking my Folgers rehydrated, dehydrated, reconstituted, deconstructed coffee. But Dan, you can't drink coffee at night. You can in Scompton, Utah. Yeah, you know, just here drinking my coffee. It's going to be Memorial Day pretty soon. And I mentioned this random thought because I've had a random thought about something that happened almost 13 years ago. Um, my mom died in 2010. Uh, she was a breast cancer survivor. That's why she died of cancer in 2010. My sister Nancy was a breast cancer survivor. That's why she died in 2012. Yeah. At my mom's funeral, and I've told this story before, one of my mother's old friends from the University of Washington, she came up to me holding a folder. She told me a story. But was it true? She was holding a folder in the way that a person will dramatically hold it, as if to hand it to you, but then to pull it back, hand it to you, but then pull it back. And as I think about things like tradecraft and social engineering, and the way in which people are manipulated, and I remember that her husband was CIA, and in retrospect, was she. She told me a story about a boy who was 17 years old. He had to get his parents' permission to sign up to fight the Japanese during World War II. Oh, sure, he could have gone to Europe, but he ended up going to the Pacific. At that point in the war, when my dad entered the service, it probably looked as if the Nazis were pretty close to being destroyed. My father was stationed on Guam, and he told us stories about Guam, but not that many, to be honest with you. There was a story of the motorcycle he rebuilt and then drove off a pier. That always never made sense. He told me how he got sick once. He got really, really sick, but then got better. He had the Berry Berry, or the Buddy Berry, or the Raspberry Charlie. I'm not sure what he had. So this woman at my mom's funeral tells me a story of how it was possible that my dad, like many sailors and marines, at the end of the war in 1946, and then later on during the 50s and even into the 60s, and many civilians as well, by the way, 
We had neighbors growing up, the Browns. They had lots of cancer. They were kids in Utah during above-ground atomic testing. Yeah, yeah, that was probably cool. I think one time I'd heard a story from one of the Browns about how they'd wake up in the morning and there'd be dust on their cars and they would just sweep it off. But in the case of my dad, back to the key point here, the story that my mom's friend, and I use that word loosely given the circumstances, the story that she told me at the memorial following the service at Immaculate Conception School as she held on to that, held on to that folder so tightly, was that my dad was tasked, given the job, amongst many others, of cleaning up equipment coming from a place called Bikini Island Atoll in 1946. You see, he signed up for World War II, but that doesn't mean he got out at the end. I don't know if you know this, brothers and sisters, but a lot of soldiers and sailors and service people who signed up later in the war spent some time after the war in the service. Why? Because you just don't demilitarize your entire military following a conflict. And hey, that war, or excuse me, that Cold War with the Soviets, it kicked off pretty fast following World War II. So the story she told me was that my dad cleaned off equipment, equipment coming from flat tops, that's aircraft carriers, that were anchored at Bikini Island Atoll during the testing. One of the tests involved an underwater test of a fission device. This device created tremendous amounts of radioactivity. It was very dirty. It was definitely an atomic bomb, but it was also a kind of super dirty bomb. And it covered all this equipment, all these ships, and a lot of radiation. According to my mom's friend, my dad didn't know this, he just was told, clean off this equipment. Because they were trying to study how quickly, at least purportedly how quickly, they could recover equipment. But they were also probably studying what this would do to service people exposure to radiation, how much, how long. And my dad, according to my mom's friend, was a guinea pig. She held on to that folder, never handed it to me, ostensibly a theatrical device in retrospect. I don't know if there was anything in that folder at all, at all really. Um, but if the story she told me was true, and again, looking back, it might not have been true, Remember, how many people do you know or have you ever met that ended up marrying a CIA agent and weren't themselves, in a sense, part of the clandestine world? Most people never meet CIA freaks, or at least they don't know they met them. There's a story that somebody I knew growing up, a kid, his dad was CIA. So... What's the likelihood that you end up meeting a couple of those spook freaks in your lifetime, especially, you know, when you're a fucking kid? It doesn't seem super likely in Mount Vernon, Washington, but who knows, right? I don't know that this story is true. I look back upon the story and I ask myself, is it possible that she was a liar? That she had a purpose, a, a sort of a mission, who knows what it was, Maybe it was a mission to put a brain worm, a thought virus into my head so that it would be something I would obsess on for years and years and years. And if that was the purpose, she failed. I don't obsess on it. I think about it periodically, especially when I hear people talk about voting. And then when Memorial Day weekend rolls around. See, I was in the service too, not in combat. I spent a year in Korea. The closest I got to combat was going to the Eagles, downrange from Camp Stanley, during the Olympics, and I think it was early 1998, Boblimpdok. And, you know, there were the speed skaters, the, the, the Winter Olympics, and, and I cheered for the Japanese. Now, you don't want to do that in a Korean bar. 
the drinking girls chase me around. Yeah, the drinky girls chase me around the bar, and I suppose that's the closest I ever came. <laughs> Fun choice of words there, Dan. That's the closest I ever got to combat when I was in Korea, you know? Not to say it's an easy place to be for a year. You periodically have alerts. An alert is, is like imagining a town's worth of people all waking up at the same time, not knowing if what they're waking up to is real, until later you're told stand down, put the ammo back, put the crates back, get your Humvee back into the motor pool because it was just an alert. The North Koreans, the Norks, they're not attacking. We're just, it's just an alert. The first alert you go through when you're stationed in Korea can stress you the fuck out. Let's just be clear. Especially if you're in your 20s and you're a lieutenant and you're responsible for a platoon and it freaks you out because you say to yourself, do I know enough? Am I smart enough? Am I ready? And back then, I simply assumed that if I'm ready, I need to be ready, I will be ready. I guess I assumed my training would kick in. But that first alert where you get the knock on the door from your buddy down the hall saying, Lieutenant Dan, get the fuck up. We're going to war. Of course we weren't. But that first time, you get a sense that maybe. And of course, back then, and before then, and even after then, the North Koreans are constantly doing really creepy shit. Launching rockets, sending special forces south of the DMZ. That particular summer of 1997, supposedly... United States military in Area 1 was chasing down a North Korean special ops team that had gotten south, and the ROC Army was taking the lead on it. And it took, supposedly, again, a lot of this you just have to kind of look back and take with a grain of salt, but supposedly it took a while for them to track down all of those Norks, and maybe they didn't find them all. At any given time, according to the Peninsular Intelligence Brief I got back then, there are North Korean special ops and spies south of the DMZ, perhaps thousands, all of them waiting for the, the, the great day, the wonderful day, when they can fulfill the purpose of Kim Il-sung, when they can fulfill the purpose of the great North Korean communism, and they can defeat the South. And it's a joke in a way. It's not a funny joke, but it's a joke. If there was ever a war on the Korean Peninsula, it would be horrific. But I go off topic here. I, I was never in combat. I spent a year in Korea. I came back. I spent another year at Fort Lewis. And then I decided the army was not for me. And I resigned my commission. Some people put in 20 years and get their pension. And I thought I was going to do that. Looking back, I, I believe I made the right decision, even today, especially today, given my own personal philosophy. But at the time, I had a lot of questions. And so in 2010, this friend of my mom, this wife of a spook, and I don't, that's not a racist term, that's a reference to a CIA spy. She tells me a story with the folders in her hands and then she walks away. Does she leave me with a folder? Does she leave me with anything tangible? No. She kind of puts it out towards me and then brings it back in again. Says, you know, I can't show you this, but um, maybe I'll be able to. Oh, I got to go talk to those people. Yeah. That was pretty much the extent of that crooked conversation. And the reason why I remember it so well is it's not often the wife of a CIA spook tells you shit like this. This is the same wife who, you know, ended up saying, since Dan is going to eventually go military intelligence, I was branch detail. If I'd ever gone to my, you know, advanced course prior to becoming a captain or after at Fort Wakuka, I would have ended up being MI. And, and looking back, who knows? Maybe I would have been CIA too. Who knows? It's hard to say. It's hard to say in this kaleidoscope of bullshit in the United States of communist assholes what exactly is the truth.
But if my dad was poisoned by the United States government as a, as a young man, as a boy, if he was poisoned um, back then, somebody who volunteered, he wasn't drafted. He could have avoided the war completely. He volunteered at 17, which means his parents had to say okay. If he was poisoned, and again, let's just be clear, even if this didn't happen to my dad, it is a matter of historical record at this point that this kind of bullshit happened to United States service people at the end of the war and frankly throughout the Cold War that they were experimented on, you know, in lots of ways. There was biological warfare experiments and other types of experiments, but in this particular case, there is a record, a public record, of our government exposing service people and civilian, civilians to radiological materials during the Cold War. For purposes of what? Study? Who knows? I mean, this is a matter of historical record, but what if it's a lie too? You see, when it's that time of year from Memorial Day, I know I have family who will go visit his grave, and God bless, because, you know, my dad's in heaven, and one day I'll see him, and one day we'll be able to rectify whatever issues we ever had, you know, with each other. God bless. Visit his grave. Say a prayer for, for our dad. Maybe just as important, I think George would say this, say a prayer for yourself. Say a prayer for the people here right now. My dad's okay. He's with Jesus. He's okay. But, you know, this is that time of year. Go to the grave and say a prayer. You see, which version of the story is better is the thing I think about right now. At almost midnight. Is the version of the story better, the one where this woman was telling me the truth? Or is the version of the story better if this woman was gaslighting me, was manipulating, was, was full of shit? And then the question is, who the fuck gives you that order? I mean, again, her husband was supposedly retired. I remember meeting him in 1996, like I said, and sitting down and... Let me tell you about that conversation. There was no conversation. What I remember is the office and the books that were in the bookshelf. I remember him being drunk and drinking. And I can tell you, from my brief time in the military, the very few military intelligence officers I got to know that seemed like decent people, I'll let you on a little secret. They were mostly drunks too. You ever wonder why? about stuff like that? You say, well, Dan, you know, people drink or you just randomly hung out with... No, it wasn't random. It wasn't random. There was some purpose to it. It's just that a purpose I cannot quite see, even right now, maybe through a glass darkly, especially. Like I said, it's almost midnight on planet Boblimpdok. And this isn't technically a topic, like I have a list of topics here, but this is not technically one of them. It's just something that troubles me right now. It troubles me in a way. It is a question that's been popping up in recent weeks. To what extent have I been lied to? I have three degrees, a master's degree in history. I read a lot of books back in the day, a lot of official books, books out of the Brookings Institution, books out of the RAND Corporation, books that were published from Harvard and Yale and Princeton motherfucker. You know Litvak's book, Grand Strategy of the Roman Empire? Yeah, I read that one too, shithead. And the question is the same. To what extent was I lied to? To what extent was I deceived? Can I trust anything that my mother's quote-unquote friend said? Can I trust anything about my experiences with her husband, the barely the amount I ever got to know him, which was 20 minutes sitting in a parlor watching him drink and mutter words and 
the message I got at the time, and it did stick with me, it's one of the reasons why I left the military, was that going into intelligence, it, it probably especially if you're a decent person, is a really bad career move in an existential sense. Like, if you don't have a soul, and you don't give a fuck about your neighbor, and you're one of these people that spent your years as a youth torturing animals, but not for any other reason, but that you enjoyed it, that you spent your youth building yourself up to be a sociopath, kind of like the neighbor kids who said, hey, Dan, you want to see an M80? And it was two brothers, and one of them had a lead pipe, and the other one pointed off in the distance, and the one with the lead pipe hit me on the occipital lobe. I think that was 1981, Bo Blimpdock. Yeah. Not, they weren't really friends of mine. We just moved into that neighborhood. A person that you could argue was a friend was Scott, who was there. And he's the one who pulled me away from them and got me into his house. And in retrospect, if those two boys ever ended up becoming serial killers, I might have avoided being their first victim. Some red-headed kid. Some kind of pudgy, red-headed, curly-haired kid who could have ended up somewhere on Little Mountain, but luckily, I avoided it. All of this could be random chance. All of this could be just bad luck. All of this could be just one cliche piled on another. But it is almost Memorial Day weekend, and the question I ask myself this time of year, is that story true? Another fact I've mentioned is my dad died 30 years ago of a disorder that at the time, I was told, was something you'd get if you worked in that kind of silkwood nuclear industry kind of world. But loggers in the Pacific Northwest generally didn't die of it. So if you were exposed to radiation, let's say, in 1946, Bo Blimpdock, and your Navy doctor said, oh, you got the berry-berry, but you recovered, and it drove you a little bit crazy, so you grabbed your motorcycle that you rebuilt, you drove it off the pier. It's a funny story, unless you can connect the dots. He died of a blood disorder you just don't get being a logger. But if you work with plutonium and radiological materials for 20 or 30 years, or you work around highly radioactive material for a few weeks, like the story the spook's wife told me, yeah, that's a disease, a disorder, whatever you want to call it, a blood disorder, that you've, you could very well get and end up dying of. And still, I'm filled with questions. Is that story true? Is the story this woman told me true? Because if it's false, it is almost as bad, maybe even worse than the truth, if, if it was true. Like, if it was a lie, then you have to ask the question, why? And here's how I'm going to connect the dots for you, my friends out there at midnight on Planet Boblimpdok. Since 2020, I've been saying the reason why the military psychological warfare has been successful is in part because people want to believe it. You see, I'm pretty certain in 2019, a lot of people's alarms went off. You know that spooky thing that makes a dog bark? You know that spooky thing that makes all the roaches want to run away? You know that spooky thing that causes the rats to flood off the ship just before it sinks? Whatever spooky feeling you want to describe that happens before an earthquake and causes the bees to shiver, the ones left alive. I think a lot of humans in 2019 had alarms going off. I think their third eye was telling them, just like it told me, some really bad shit's about to start happening. Yeah. So the PSYOP, in part, latches on to that. I've called it carpet bombing the third eye. I've called it spoofing the third eye. And I think using that term from, you know, information technology and network security... I think spoofing's a good term. I think the PSYOPs were designed to do a few things, but one of the things they were designed to do 
to include the great COVID-19 monkey herpes, whatever you think it was. It was designed to give the unconscious, the collective unconscious of many people around the world, something to latch on to because you had that spooky feeling. That spooky feeling that was telling you something's wrong. So they gave it to you. They gave you the monkey herpes. They gave you good and evil in a movie. They gave you villains like Anthony Fauci. They gave you heroes who were trying to tell you to take the horse dewormer. They gave you a story and your unconscious could grab onto it. Because what if, and again, I'm flipping back to that question because it's the same fucking question. What if my mom's friend was gaslighting me? Then you have to ask why. Brothers and sisters, the reason why so many people, even people I care about, still believe the COVID-19 was real, still believe the Ukraine war is real, believe any of this bullshit is real. Because if you stop for a second and ask the question, why would they do this? Why would they go to such a large-scale, high-tempo, strategic? Because usually, no, not usually, Invariably, psychological warfare is never strategic. Never. It is at best a, a little bit of additive, like MSG. Adding some MSG to your chicken fried rice. That is in general what psyops are. So why did they make the, the point of maximal effort, the Schwerpunkt, to use a term from the German military, why did they make that psychological warfare? If you ask that question, you're kind of left with a lot of scary possibilities, brothers and sisters, and that's why the PSYOPs worked. And that's why most of the people I know, except for probably some of my listeners, don't ask the question. They say, well, Dan, it's the reset. It was the monkey herpes. It's a Wuhan lab. It's the drag queen story time. It's Putin, Putin, Putin. It's Trump. It's Biden. It's any particular scare monkey, including the artificial intelligence scare monkeys of late. It's any of the scare monkeys popping out of the CIA's Pez dispenser. Here's another, here's another, here's another. Because all of them are preferable to asking the simple question, why? If this woman who was my mom's friend was lying to me, then you have to ask the question, why? Why would she do this? Is it a random thing that she did, does, whatever? I think she's probably dead now. But is it a random thing people do? Or is there a deeper reason? If it was the truth, it's bad enough. It really is. It's bad enough it was, if it was the truth. It was, if it was the truth and she really was my mom's friend and she was trying to and struggling with some truths that she had, but the folder probably said top secret and her husband was probably maybe still alive, who knows, maybe he was dead, maybe she was a spook too. CIA people aren't known for being trustworthy people. None, nobody in the clandestine community is. It's kind of like that line from, I think it was... Winter Soldier, 2014, that Marvel movie. Scarlett Johansson's character, you know, says something to Captain America, like, you know, you know, <laughs> it's something like, how do you have friends in this business? And it's like, she says something to the effect, well, you got into the wrong business. Like, you know, if you want to have friends. And this is what I would say. That's a good description of the truth. If you're going to go into that world, you're never going to really have any friends. Probably. You're never going to have anyone close to you. Unless, of course, they do the same job. So the question then, once again, the question, was this woman also CIA? My mom wouldn't have been told. I don't know if you know this or not, but there have been controversies in recent decades about quote-unquote CIA operatives being unmasked. Oh my God, for the last 20 years, we've been told that horror story. I was secret. I was a secret secret. And then somebody put an article out there and put, yeah. So here's the deal, folks. These spooks don't want to be known. So it's probably just as likely she was a spook too. And flipping back to today, you can believe the COVID-19 is real. 
It's kind of like that dude said the other day, how could there be dollar collapse and the clath rate gun? Well, I never said that really, buddy, pal, friendo. But here's a better question. How could you have the COVID-19 monkey herpes and the drag queen story time infestation and the scaremongering around Ukraine war that seems to just keep going on and on hasn't gone nuclear yet. That's kind of weird. How could you have all this wretched shit at the same time? I'll use your probability theory against you, motherfucker. If you want to come back to me and say, how could you have dollar collapse and the clath rate gun? How could you have all this noisy bullshit that is unending and nonstop? So it poses the question, what if it is all bullshit? What if I'm right? I don't know what it covers up, brothers and sisters. I have theories. I have theories. That's all I have. I have conjectures of what it covers up. But here's what you can remove from your list. They're not covering up a surprise party. In 2024, we're not all going to wake up one day and crack open champagne and say, Hey, look, the government was, was going to surprise us. They covered up a big surprise party where everybody gets a pile of gold and a bottle of champagne and a hooker and some cocaine. It's probably not that, right? If it's this, if it is trauma-based mind control, strategic, military psychological warfare, there is very little likelihood that what they're doing covers up anything good at all to include all of these bullshit possibilities. And brothers and sisters, I include the reset as part of the PSYOP, by the way. Oh, but Dan, it's going to be a reset. Reset from what? A mental, a mental hospital? Reset from what? Billions of crazy people? Because it's going to get worse. The longer this type of operation lasts, the worse it's going to be as far as society goes. As far as the generations to come, the more of this trauma-based mind control they do, the more damage they're going to do. There isn't an end state where everybody wakes up one day and says, we're working for the government, we're working for the one world government. No. They're building a giant insane asylum that has nobody in charge. They're building plagues of madness. Exactly what the fuck do you build on that? Exactly. I mean, I'm a reasonably intelligent guy. I went to school. What the fuck do you build on billions of crazy people other than cemeteries? Other than dead people? Or, another possibility, other than the perfect stage for the Antichrist? What do you build? You don't build the reset. You, you don't do that, okay? Trump's not going to save you. If you're thinking Trump's going to save you next year, good luck. I mean, I mean it. Good luck. That is the kind of idea that could destroy you. Along with any of these other psyops, if you buy into them, you're putting yourself at risk. If you buy into them, you're putting the people you love at risk, but good luck. Good luck with your resets and your drag queens. Good luck with your Putin and your, your, your Ukraine. Good luck with all the scare monkeys that surround you, that live in your unconscious, that you rent out your brain to for, for no money a month. Good luck. See, that's why it's probably better for me to believe the story of the spook and the spook's wife. That's probably why maybe I should believe the monkey herpes and the race war bullshit. Yeah, I've got hours of video of Chop Chaz Chopia in the summer of 2020. Sure as shit, you go to my archives. I got hours of video of the bullshit protesters marching up and down 12th Avenue. By the way, a road that literally bisects access points to every major emergency room in Seattle. That's a weird thing to happen during the great pandemic, right, my friends? And I know I've mentioned this before, but like I said, these are the thoughts that have been troubling me.
And it's funny because in theory, I'm, I'm more than a half an hour into this podcast. So in theory, I could just call this a podcast and close it out. This one troubling thought, this midnight obsession on Planet Bob Limp Doc. I've got a list of topics I was supposed to get into. And I could just go ahead and ask the question, was the story that my mom's friend told me the truth? I don't know. And is it at all connected to any of the nonsense since 2020? The answer is probably not. Whether it was the truth or a lie, it is simply an experience disconnected from 2020. But if it was a lie, why? Why do that? You think these motherfuckers do things without permission? Do you? Do you think these spooks who are so afraid of being unmasked do things without asking first? Are you, are you a shithead? So if she did lie to me, if her husband was CIA and she was CIA too, why? Why tell a wretched lie like that at the funeral of my mom? Why? It's, it's a, <laughs> it is a mind virus. It really is. It is a kind of crooked kind of bullshit. Why do that? And if it was the truth, once again I say, if the government, the greatest generation government, the government of the World War II heroes would poison an 18 or 19 year old kid with radiological material, do you feel better about that? Is your version of World War II bouncing around your head seem like a better version? Because I've studied that war. And I'll tell you something about it. There were no fucking heroes. Yeah, 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 Hitler was pretty fucking evil. By the way, so was Joseph Stalin. And he was our fucking ally. And in terms of total people killed, if we're, if we're interested in dictators that murder people, Joseph Stalin killed four or five people for every one person Hitler killed. So once again, I asked the question, if we were on the right side of that war, why was, he, why was this guy, this mass murderer, Joseph Stalin, the man of steel, <laughs> why was he our friend, our ally? Why did Hollywood make little movies about Uncle Joe? They didn't talk about Lubyanka. They didn't talk about the Holodomor, the fact that he orchestrated, and again, a Georgian, not an ethnic Russian. He orchestrated the murders in the Ukraine in the 1930s against the Kulaks. He orchestrated the NKVD going through the Ukraine murdering people. By the way, if you think the United States is a friend of the Ukraine, you're a dumb shit. You don't know your history. We have never been a friend of the Ukraine. We used the Ukraine. We used the Ukraine back then. We're still using it today, and we're using it like a meat grinder. But if you think our government gives a shit about Ukrainians, you're a giant fucktard. You really are. You don't know your history. You don't know anything. We are just as murderous and disrespectful of Ukrainian lives today as we were when we made those little happy, shiny movies, you know... After Pearl Harbor in 1942, making Uncle Joe out to be this really nice fucking guy. It's midnight. It's midnight on Planet Boblimpdock. Bob, Bob the Bigfoot is looking inside of your window. Al the alien is coming for a visit. He has an object. He will shove up your butt. We are in the beginning of year four 
of what I call Bo Blimpdoc in 2019, I called it the great discontinuity. And so far, in my opinion, all of the terror and all the fear and all the, the daily stressors that they toss at us, I, I believe are mostly 100% bullshit. The divide and conquer, the race war, we're going to take your guns. You know, you want to hear a prediction from Uncle Dan? They're not going to take your guns, okay? The 87,000 troops of the IRS are not going to come for your tax money. They're not going to come to your door and ship you to a FEMA camp. That's a lot of mindfuck bullshit. And if after 2020 you live in a city and you don't know that you're already home by now in that FEMA camp sense, you're also a fucktard. Okay? They don't need to build FEMA camps. If you lived in a city in 2020, you got a preview. And by the way, they're not going to waste diesel or food on you. You think they're going to ship you to a Walmart parking lot and give you anything? No. They're not going to waste food, they're not going to waste diesel, and they don't give a fuck about you. And if you believe the artificial intelligence fear monkey bullshit, why the fuck would they need you? We're already being told we're going to get UBI and free money from the government. The robots are going to take over. Hundreds of millions of jobs, according to a Zero Hedge article, will be done by robots and computers. So why the fuck would they need you? And if you're one of these fear monkey guys talking about the vaccine deaths, here's the deal, okay? <laughs> I've said this before, I'll say it again. I can look at the scar on my left arm, and it's a deep and dark reminder. I've not had to go to the hospital that much in my life until the last year. In the last year, I had a couple things happen. One was a complete mystery to this day, and the other involved me going to get potato chips and breaking my, my left humerus. And in neither of those cases did they even really give a shit or talk about COVID-19. I didn't get the little nose probe that supposedly makes you prep for mind control. Huh, they didn't need any nose probes, you shitheads. And they didn't force a vaccine on me. So that's weird in Scompton, Utah. An old hobo freak, over 50, overweight, burnt out. I'm a target audience, shithead. If they were going to murder me with a vaccine, they ought to have done it right, but it didn't happen. So I classify the vaccine death bullshit as bullshit too. All of it. All that fear monkey bullshit. All of that manipulated fear monkey psyop bullshit. Ongoing. We are in year four of it. In late 2020, this is what I was telling people more or less. I'd come to the conclusion by March that what we were being fed was crap. But by late 2020, this is what I said. I said, whatever's coming's a fuzzy event. <laughs> it's a five-year window. That's my assumption based upon the way government works. And they will do what they can to control the population until it happens. And getting back, you know, to where I was going. Yeah. We are in year four of Bo Blimptock. And so the question is, why would they do this? The question nobody really wants to ask. Why would they, why would they treat psychological warfare as a strategic asset? Why would they do it at this level and intensity? Why would they continue to do it for several years, knowing what they know from what the Nazis did during World War II with the same kinds of experiments, knowing what they know from all of B.F. Skinner's torture experiments with pigeons and rats, from all the other experiments in the 60s with monkeys, why would they, knowing where this road ends, adrenal fatigue, madness, illness, sickness, and death, why would they keep doing it? That's why we have to believe the bullshit. That's why we need to believe it. That's why your brain latched on to it. Because, like I said... 
Once you let go, once you ask the question, is this all bullshit right now, then you have to ask why. And this is what I'm getting back to. If you're a student of history, simple question, because by the way, biological warfare goes back to ancient times. They used to take diseased bodies, put them on catapults, and launch them over walls. So fucktard. Don't tell me, well, biological warfare is special. No, it's not special. We've gotten better at it, but it's not special. In the history of government, going back to the beginning, and by the way, more than a few anarchists have said in the past, civilization is about locking up the food. In the history of government, if the government had a choice between A, launching disease at people, or B, starving people to death, what have they done historically? That's a simple question. I can tell you, I mean, if you want to be a dumb shit and pretend, well, it's a biological, no. No, vaccine bullshit, biological weapon bullshit, the number one way governments have killed people for thousands of years, to include the last couple hundred, is famine. That's it. That's the punchline. And also, these people that work for the government, they're lazy. Yeah, they're grifters, very clever, scummy shitheads, but they're lazy as fuck. And if given a choice between poisoning you in some ornate, Byzantine, complicated way with vaccines and Wuhan labs and race wars and other kinds of we're-gonna-get-your-guns bullshit, if they had a choice between that and simply starving you to death, which one do you think they choose, given the history, thousands of fucking years? something was coming that was going to kill us, why would they put forth effort other than to prevent you from preparing? Think about it. Think about Donald Trump or currently RFK Jr. These are objects of, of obsession. These are psyop actors. They are designed to put your effort, which you could potentially use to save your life and save the people you care about, they are designed to tell you, but guess what? In 2024, you're going to get to vote and you'll elect somebody special and they'll save you this time. Sure, sure, sure. Every other time they were fucking with you. But this time it's going to work. The main message of the military psychological warfare since 2020 is stay at home. Stay angry, stay confused, stay divided, stay off the streets because they're black-clad freaks who, for whatever reason, don't actually effectively stop the construction in Little Saigon. Yeah, stay, off, stay at home. Stay off the roads. Why would you sell the message of stay off the roads? Why this work-from-home thing? Why? You ever wonder why? All the fear, all the stay-at-home messaging, all the be confused, be angry, but don't do anything useful. It's like Dane Wigington. He tells you that what the government's doing is poisoning your family, poisoning you, and by the way, making you less cognitively effective. This is his message. Not the whole message, but part of it. So why would he tell you to go around convincing people, oh yeah, the heavy metals are making you dumb, but go to the farmer's market and hand out flyers because they're poisoning you. If they're poisoning you from the sky, brothers and sisters, there are things you should do as a matter of self-defense. Handing out flyers, buying or selling hoodies, suing people or making documentaries that suck. These are not the top of the list. I can't tell you what is, but these are definitely not at the top of the list. So why? Why would they do this? And by the way, I'm probably not posting this to YouTube because <laughs> the likelihood that YouTube would allow this particular podcast to be played on YouTube is zero. Zero. No likelihood. It's going to go on my blog. It'll go on Spotify until they cancel me. But YouTube, in the first 10 minutes, with whatever algo and crooked bullshit they use, will sweep it up 
and give me another flag and put me in position to be, you know, canceled from YouTube again. So to you motherfuckers on YouTube out there who might listen to me but probably don't, who say crooked things like, why didn't you post this three years ago? Well, shithead. A, it's been in my blog archives, you know, where I haven't been canceled since then, and B, I did post it, and it got canceled, it got deleted, it got removed. You know how many listeners I have according to Spotify? About 60. Do you know how many listeners I have according to YouTube? About 30. Precisely how am I a threat? If all this data is correct, and I influence roughly a hundred people, which according to the Spotify demographic model are angry old men, exactly how and under what circumstances would any of what I have to say be a threat? How? Riddle me this, Susan Wochicki bullshit artist. Reason me this, CEO Aman Bhutani, I think he's still there, of GoDaddy motherfucker who stole my site and my money and he's a shithead, but guess what? No rule of law, so no lawsuit. Why would they fucking care? If I have such a tiny influence, if the number of people that listen to me is so small, why would they give a fuck? I don't have an answer. Just like I don't know if my mom's friend was telling me the truth, just like I don't know what they're covering up. I am pretty much 100% certain that everything they're throwing at us are fear monkeys. But I don't know why. I, I, I'm pretty certain they're trying to cover up a fuzzy event. And once again, a fuzzy event is an event that happens within a time frame with 100% probability. It doesn't happen on a specific date with 100% likelihood. And there are many types of fuzzy events to my friend on Spotify if you want to post more crap. The collapse of the dollar would be a fuzzy event. It wouldn't happen on a day. It would happen within a window. Earthquakes. Volcanic eruptions, these are fuzzy events. We can make range of probability predictions, but just like back with our good friend Harry at Spirit Lake on Mount St. Helens, you can't tell him the exact minute the thing's going to go off, and he'd rather drift through space with his cats anyway. Yes, I'm certain they're lying. I'm certain they're covering up a fuzzy event, and that the five-year window started in early 2020 or late 2019, and we're in year four. And I've recently called this the intermission period because there is a little bit of an intermission. Yeah, they're still tossing fear monkeys at you like psychological hand grenades, but they're mostly duds. And sure, this Jordan Neely, Daniel Penny bullshit could trigger race war two this summer, but it'll probably be a dud. The first one, Chap Chopia with the Chive Garden and all the other bullshit out there in Seattle, that was barely a success, and when you looked up close, it looked stupid. That's why they yelled at you. That's why they said, turn off the fucking camera. You were okay to take pictures from a mile away, because from a mile away, you couldn't tell what the fuck was going on. But up close, July the 3rd, 2020, you could tell that those Antifa were bicycle cops and you could see their Glock 19 sticking out of the back of their butt cracks. You tell me why, motherfucker. If you know. It's the reset. No. I can tell you it's not the reset. By the way, if it was going to be nuclear war or the reset, it wouldn't be a fuzzy event. It would have just happened. And they wouldn't use trauma-based mind control for the reset you would use a better PSYOP, kind of like the, the trip to the moon. You wouldn't use trauma-based mind control. You'd use, you know, what's called sometimes white or positive propaganda. You'd probably do pyramids on Mars if it was going to be the reset. But that's not what they did. You don't build shit on what they've created. You don't construct anything on all this madness. The only outcome of what they're doing is destruction. So you ask me, brothers and sisters, why? And like I've said before, if it was going to be nuke war, we would have all gone to sleep in October of 2019, and most of us would have never woken up. Yeah. So probably not nuke war either, right? That also would be a discrete event, not a fuzzy event. 
It would happen predictably since they'd be in control on a specific day. The reset, too. They would have had a plan, a schedule. It wouldn't have been fuzzy. They wouldn't have used rinky-dink bullshit COVID-19 monkey herpes to get there. Like I said, they'd use, you know, pyramids on Mars, Dan. They've discovered pyramids on Mars. There are pyramids in Antarctica. The aliens are our friends. Al the alien. Bob. Bob the Bigfoot. So, yeah. Getting back to the beginning of this podcast, which had a had an outline, which I didn't even talk about. I, I was obsessed with a question that became an hour's worth of thought. Did my mom's friend lie to me? Okay, question. Whether she did or didn't, both interpretations are equally bad. I'm pretty certain, like nearly 100% certain, of my opinion about the great COVID-19 race war Ukraine drag queen monkey fuck that's ongoing, hasn't stopped. I'm pretty certain it's designed to cover up a major event that is fuzzy because that's why they're doing the psyops the way they're doing them. Like there's a, a volume control, turn it up, turn it down. They don't know what day it happens, but they know it's coming. And I'll tell you something too, as a Christian, another candidate for a fuzzy event would be the end times. Just saying, just saying, just telling you, there could be something, okay, slouching towards Bethlehem. There could be something in the distance, and it ain't Bob the Bigfoot, it ain't the Wookiee people, it's not Al the alien, it's not Sam from Dimension 32. Another potential candidate for that event would be, yeah, the Antichrist, the end times. And, and there are people who listen who say, well, Dan, God damn it, why can't you give me some good news? And my news for you is quite simple. And it is, in my opinion, the good news. Through Christ, we're saved. Through Christ, we can find peace and joy. Good times, bad times. Through Jesus, there is a way. And that is the way. And it's always been the way. Good times, bad times. I'll tell you something else, too. If you have a book club, as I've said before, a book you need to read in your book club is A Distant Mirror by Barbara Tuckman. Because if we're really lucky, that book is going to be a guide for how you're going to get through the coming decades. Not just you. If you're like me, you'll be, you probably won't make it another 10 years. But your children, your grandchildren, get them this book. Read it together. Understand that the human race has been on the brink many a times. If you believe what you're told, if you're secular, 70,000 years ago, roughly speaking, the entire human race was reduced to a few thousand people because of a caldera, which is a supervolcano going off. We've been through these times before, brothers and sisters. There's probably a reason why those paragraphs in Genesis cover thousands of years but only have a few words. And if this event is as big as I suspect it is, and there is no God, then it's possible 20,000 years from now, the only thing they're going to know about us would fit into a paragraph also. And, and when I say us, I don't mean the United States. I mean the human race for the last 7,000 years. It'll be a couple paragraphs. It'll be the garbage people, the slime people, the scum people. They treated each other like shit. They didn't have the courage to live free. They, they, they wanted to build prison camps where they pooped and peed on each other. These were the garbage people. They lived... For a while, they destroyed themselves, they destroyed a lot of other things, and then they were gone. If you like this podcast, and as I say many times, I don't know why. If you like this podcast, the simple truth is you can support it. There's a PayPal link, and I need to come up with money for rent. Like, 
several hundred bucks. I've had some help this month with other bills that have come up to include the blog, you know, my blog, the buy another six months, <laughs> assuming I don't get canceled the way that Aman Bhutani's GoDaddy canceled me. But assuming Bluehost doesn't cancel me, there's another six months. So I've been able to take care of a few things. But I still need to raise some funds for rent, for other stuff. So if you like the podcast and you've listened this long and you want to support it, you can. But please understand, there are things I ask you to do first. Take care of your food, your water, your shelter. Take care of the people you love. Take care of the people you care about. If you're stockpiling some food, and by the way, nobody's got a basement big enough for what I fear could be coming. If you're stockpiling some food, please think about your pets. Think about your dog, your cat. Think about them too. Don't be a dickhead, okay? Don't watch your pet starve. Okay, it, it might end up coming to that, brothers and sisters, I don't know. But why not just wager on a more positive outcome? So make sure you're buying some food for your pets along with yourself. And it might not be crazy to get at least six months worth. I have about three months worth in front of me right now. That's what this old hobo can afford. But if you can afford six months for you, your family, and your dog, do it. Or parrot or cat. If you've taken care of all these things, your bills, your food, your water, your shelter, and you still have thousands of tons of cocaine and liquor and hookers and gold left over and so much money and so much of your Bitcoin optimism that you could just throw it at me, Dan, you're so funny. None of what you say is going to happen, but I really enjoy you. Then listen, dickhead, Bitcoin optimist. You should donate. You should donate. I have a lot of generous donors, but it's you the crypto optimist that should wager. That way, a year from now, you can call me a shithead. And in an email, I'll respond. You're right, buddy. Hey, dear buddy, you were right. I was wrong. You can donate. Crypto optimist, Mr. and Mrs. House Flipper, your home is worth a million bucks. It is just after midnight on Planet Boblimp Dock. We started this podcast. It was May the 20th, 2023. It's now May the 21st. Oh, we made it another day, brothers and sisters, friends of mine. I didn't cover any of the topics I was going to cover. Hopefully tomorrow, as I watch the dogs, because I'm going to be watching them tomorrow, because some friends of mine are going to go on a trip, so I get to watch the dogs. It turns out I love these dogs. Maybe tomorrow we'll do some funnier podcasts. This one wasn't super funny. And it is territory we've covered it is the troubled, troubled evening of many evenings since January 2020. And if I'm being realistic since November of 2019, that my troubled nights started months before, a few months before, the great monkey herpes, the great race war, the great Ukraine bullshit, which, by the way, the Ukraine war has a very powerful side effect that even the scientific American admits to. Because of the Ukraine war, most of the Arctic research they'd be doing is more or less on hold. That's weird. Random. Weird, right? It's weird. It's weird how everything's heating up when everything's heating up. 60% of the Arctic Circle is Russian territory. The rest is NATO. Do you think they're having a problem covering up shit right now? No, probably. So if my personal fear monkey turns out to be true, it explains a lot. It explains more than dollar collapse. To my friend on Spotify, these are not mutually exclusive. There's a better word for it, subsumption. Which means, if this is a 10,000-year event, I don't know how to put it, my friend out there on Spotify, it subsumes everything to include nuclear war. In fact, if I'm right, they might do nuclear war once they run out of ideas. And, you know, this isn't original. Dane Wigington has said the same thing. Um, 
If you want to donate, you can. Can I use the money? Yeah. 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 If you think it's all going to be hyperinflation, stagflation, robots are taking over, everybody gets UBI, crypto, 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 they're taking your guns. If you think any of that bullshit's going to happen and you have money, then you, shithead, should wager on your beliefs. You should you know, put up or shut the fuck up, is what I'd say. And I don't mean my normal donors. You guys are way too generous. I mean the shithead out there who thinks I'm full of crap and has money. Prove it. Prove how, how, how can I put this, how much confidence you have. You know, when I took the advanced microeconomics at the UW, we had a function for figuring out likelihoods based upon, <laughs> road to Rude, based upon the rational function for the value of money over time, you could figure out what a motherfucker thought the likelihood of something was based upon some, you know, assumptions, right? So here's my deal for you, buddy. If you're super rich and you think everything's going to be fine, prove your confidence by giving me as much cash as you can afford to. Prove it. Or shut the fuck up. Shut up. Don't send me an email saying how successful you are. I can't, I can't determine if that's true. You're probably a troll. If you really, really believe what you're saying and you're listening to hours of my podcast, then fucking prove it. Or shut the fuck up. It's May the 21st now. 2023 Boblimpdoc. It's after midnight. It's way too late in the day to, pray, to play pretend and that's what we've been doing for the last three years is playing pretend. Way too late. Have a great morning as the sun rises on Boblimp Dock.